Welcome to What in the World, a project initiated by Hungry for Life International. Today's podcast is titled Youth Homelessness and the Global Parallels, and Jess will be interviewing Melissa Johnson. So grab your headphones, sit back, relax, and listen as we hear about the parallels between poverty and homelessness here and there. Hello, and welcome back to another week of the What in the World podcast, where we talk about all things to do with running a global nonprofit, and sometimes even local nonprofits. So today we have a special local guest here all the way from Cyrus Center. We would like to welcome Melissa Johnson. Hi, Melissa. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're you're welcome. <laughs> so a little backstory here. Melissa is a good friend of mine and I roped her into this. I'm not sure if it was like pulling teeth or not, but either way, she's got a cold. She kind of sounds like a boy today. So I, I do. Yes. You, you More like of a Melvin than a Melissa for sure. Sorry, I threw that in there. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so Melissa works for Cyrus Center, as mentioned, and do you want to tell the world, because the world is listening, what, no, I'm just kidding, what do you do there? For sure. Um, so I am the director at the Abbotsford Cyrus Center. Um, I've been there for, I've been with the organization for six years now um, in numerous different roles. Um but in the director role for the last year and a bit. Yes. Yeah. And so, yes, you are in Abbotsford currently. Chilliwack also has a Cyrus Center, mm-hmm. which is like a stone's throw away from our office, kind of-ish. Yes. Um, and so we thought it would be great to just connect with a another local organization and talk about some of the parallels that, uh, as nonprofits, we both face. And we will talk about what Cyrus Center does and then kind of compare it to um, like the global version of that. So what does Cyrus Center do? Awesome. Um, so Cyrus Center uh, works with youth who might be experiencing homelessness. Or they might just be vulnerable to homelessness. Um, a lot of our youth are um, struggling with maybe mental health or substance use. Um, they might have safe and stable housing, but maybe they don't have like a healthy connection um, within that home. And so a lot of them are seeking out that that safe, healthy relationship with adults. Um, We provide services in our resource centers, um, meals, laundry, showers, um, referrals to other um, resources. If someone needs to see a doctor, if someone needs to see a counselor, if someone wants to go to drug and alcohol treatment, we can get them set up with that. Um, But probably the most accessed service that we provide is that like healthy connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And that looks like youth coming Mm -hmm. in, just talking, um, a lot of Uno. um, Uno. Yeah, a lot of cards. um, And then we also have um, some emergency housing that we run. Um, So we have in the Abbotsford and the Chilliwack Center, we have a shelter for 12 to 18-year-olds, which is often startling when people hear 12. 12. And so um, we don't see a ton of 12-year-olds, but once in a while, um, once in a while we do. Someone who just doesn't have a safe alternative um, and needs a place in an emergency. And so we provide shelter for them. And, and they would work directly with our youth and family case manager who figures out what next steps look like, what does stability look like, what does safety look like. Um, and then we also run a shelter for 19 to 24-year-olds, um, ironically called a temporary weather shelter. It's not actually temporary or weather-related anymore, but okay. um, 
We used to run it just during the winter months, and then BC Housing asked us to extend that, um, and we've just kept extending it. And so um, that shelter provides um, beds for 19 to 24-year-olds, and they would work with our outreach team to mm. also figure out what what kind of supports and services they need moving forward. So whether that is um, independent market housing or supportive housing, um, whether they need to figure out employment, education, maybe income assistance, um, things like that. Um, It's like your one-stop shop. One-stop shop. It's our center, one-stop shop for all your needs. Mm -hmm. So um, backtrack a little bit. What is your background in? My background is like education. Um, So I have a Bachelor's of Arts in Justice Studies. Right. So this is like a pretty good fit for for you. How long have you been at Sire Center for again? Six years. Six years. That's right. Mm -hmm. And how long has Sire Center been open for? Um, The Abbotsford location has been open since 2005. Okay. Um, math is pretty hard. That <laughs> I'm is... not even going to try. <laughs> I was like, no. I'm 17 gonna... years, 18 okay. years. Yeah. And the Chilliwack location hasn't been open f- um, for quite that long, right. um, like six or seven years. Right. Mm-hmm. We love Sire Center. I think it's a fantastic organization. Um, Thank you. So how many, like, give us some stats for a second here. Like, I want to paint our audience a good picture of what it... What is the what is the problem at hand that Sire Center is trying to trying to solve? Mm-hmm. So how many youth are homeless? Like what's the stat? Yeah. And youth homelessness is is very different than adult homelessness. Should we differentiate that right now? Well, I and I just want to be yeah. clear, like when I talk about homelessness, my my expertise is stops as soon as someone turns twenty five. Okay. Um I know about other services that in the community that are providing um supports, but but I just work with 12 to 24 years old. Um, and things look a lot different. Sure, um, that's fair. So youth homelessness is weird because a lot of it is invisible. Um, it's not a lot of, you know, the stereotypical what you think of people sleeping in bus stops with their cardboard tent made. Like it's couch surfing. Mm. If a youth is couch surfing, that's homelessness. Mm. Um we at Abbotsford Sire Center in 2021 provided uh, a shelter bed 2,490 times. Um, wow. So that's, that is a lot. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. Um, and these youth are perhaps like leaving an unsafe home. Maybe there's a relationship breakdown with parents or caregivers. Um, they might have been homeless for for a few years and doing the couch surfing thing, and that's finally they've kind of come to the end of um, accessing that. They might have been street entrenched for a couple years. Um, it might be a relationship breakdown um, with a partner. It could be a lot of different things that that bring them to us. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I read on I think it was bchumanrights.ca. Um, Poverty in British Columbia alone is high. One in 10 residents live in poverty. And those receiving basic assistance are still uh, left with an annualized income less than 50% of the of the poverty line threshold. So like from what I was reading, just kind of in, in preparing for this, BC, BC's poverty rate is is quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I know you're, you focus on, on youth homelessness, but one in 10, that's not great. 
No, that's not a great. That's not a great score. No, that's a poor score. Mm-hmm. BC, do better. Yeah, do better. But um, and I think I even read on your website. Was it? Uh, you know, I'm not too sure. But it was. It was just a very high stat for homeless youth. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for clarifying that, though, because I think probably a lot of people think under a bridge, mm-hmm. under a tarp. But yeah. it could just look as simple as couch surfing. That's mm-hmm. you don't have a place to call home. So. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, you kind of touch on this, but what are like the main causes of homeless youth? I think that youth homelessness is a lot of people think that it's caused from poverty. And I think that that can be a contributing factor. Absolutely. But I think that it is a community issue. Hmm. I think that these youth don't have community where it's safe and supportive oftentimes um and it leads them into these situations that uh inevitably cause them to lose their housing hmm. um it would it be would an example of that be like um a kid makes a decision a parent doesn't like and out they go like that is, is it as simple as that it sometimes yeah sometimes it's that sometimes i think that families aren't equipped um I would argue that a lot of the youth that we see, their parents would have been Cyrus Center youth. Okay. Um, if mm. we existed if then. You, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who just aren't equipped um, because they have their own struggles. They've got their own mental health, substance use, mm-hmm. poverty, mm-hmm. Um, that it's really difficult for them to navigate when, they're, when their children are... Um, involved in certain things or they just don't have the capacity um to navigate conflict well that kind of thing yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um i was talking to a colleague about orphans we deal with orphans Mm -hmm. not so much homeless youth but i mean different um and she said that they categorize them into three different kinds there's total orphan there's partial orphan and there's economic orphan and like Mm -hmm. an economic is like the parent like kind of the same like um parents just don't have the means or resources to provide for the child and so it's just they let them go Mm -hmm. which is it's sad um what makes a youth at risk do you want to and can you kind of explain like the are there categories of at risk are there is there like higher risk is there lower risk interesting i don't know officially um that's a great question uh at risk i would describe at risk youth um as at risk of some sort of harm um so we think of like on a track to safety on a track to harm um so things like lack of um, healthy connection in the home lack Mm -hmm. of mentorship um it could be um, your peer group. It could be mental health. It could be substance use. Um, it could be the way relationships were modeled to you. Um, we think of like a lot of our female youth um, and their unhealthy relationships with males, and that makes them at risk um, to continue have to continue having he- healthy and relationships with males and what that looks like. Like on the pathway to harm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, those are the things that I would use to describe. Yeah, that would, that's how I would describe at risk. Yeah. Yeah. 
So when, like, when a teen comes to you guys, do you notice a shift psychologically? Like, uh, say, say it's like they're, excuse my ignorance, okay? But like, they're newly homeless. Mm-hmm. And you see them month after month, possibly year after year. How do you see a psychological change in said teen? Um, how does it? How does homelessness uh, affect them psychologically? Like their their coping abilities, their abilities to think straight. Like, yeah, all the factors. Like you know, their lack of community, their lack of feeling loved and wanted, and like mm-hmm. how does that affect them psychologically? I think the biggest um, thing that you see is this like switch into survival mode. Mm. Um, which I was thinking about this the other day, like, I don't think I've ever been in my entire life in survival mode. I don't Mm -hmm. think I could ever say I've had to make decisions based on survival. Very luckily, I'm very blessed. Mm -hmm. Um, and that changes a person's entire self and like their nervous system is rewired to be in fight or flight all the time, Mm -hmm. which is... Like that's a next level exhaustion and and I can't imagine it, honestly. So we see a lot of youth making decisions that we would be like, oh my gosh, why did you do that? Um, and it's because like the pathways in their brain are, are wired to do that. And that was in their mind, the choice that- They had to make. They had to make. Yeah. Um, and that's really sad. Yeah. That's really sad when you think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's the biggest psychological change is just the decision making. And when we talk about youth, we have to remember that their brains aren't even fully formed until they're 25. Mm-hmm. And so things like cause and effect reasoning, um, if I do this, this will happen. If I do this, this will happen. Like that's not a skill that they, they necessarily have yet. Mm-hmm. Um, things like risk versus reward reasoning. Um they're not they don't have that and then if you add in things like um like chronic homelessness and having to make decisions based on survival you add in things like mental health you add in things like substance use and you're like hey why can't you make a decision that will be less harmful yeah it's yeah it's almost impossible to right Mm -hmm. is is that not quite frustrating as as a staff absolutely so what do you what are some tactics to combat that? Like, it's just like banging your head against. Well, I, I have kids. They're not easy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, why, why don't you just do what I said? Your life would be a lot easier if you just do do what I told you to do. Yeah. That's a narrative that goes through my head. <laughs> I'm a great parent. All everyone. the time. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, hey, if I could guarantee the next five choices, if I tell you, will help you. They're like, nah. And you're like, I'll pass. Ooh. Um, so we show a lot of grace. Yeah. Um, you're great at that, by the way. Thank you. I just do a lot of deep breathing. (laughs) Um, it's, we try to balance, and this is probably one of our biggest challenges. Well, I should say this is probably one of my biggest challenges. I shouldn't speak for everyone. Um, is balancing, extending grace like Christ does for us, which if you think about grace, like you... There's grace and then there's like Christ's grace and it's a little different. Um, So we try to balance that, but also balance with like 
showing accountability um, and trying to help these youth understand that cause and effect. Like when I do this, this will happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to do. It's really hard to, to incorporate that accountability while you're like, but also I have this Christ-like grace. And they're like, hey, WWJD, WWJD. Yeah. 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 That's that's tricky. That's hard. Most parents don't even want to deal with their one teen, let alone like a, a slew of them. Yeah. And I, I had a question in my head. I'm going to quickly ask you, and it's mm-hmm. kind of off topic, but not off topic. How many how many beds do you have in like the the 12 to 18 home and mm. the 19 to 24? This is just out of curiosity. So in Abbotsford, we have six beds okay. for the 12 to 18 year olds, okay. and we have 10 beds for the 19 to 24 year olds. And how long are they, are they allowed to stay? It really depends on on the situation. Okay. We don't really set a time limit because sometimes. Um, Sometimes certain plans are really slow moving. So as long as the youth is willing to kind of work on a plan in order to get them to a more stable place, mm-hmm. um, they can access a bed. Okay. And sometimes that looks like a couple days. Yeah. Um, our hope is always that family relationships can be restored um, if, that's the, if that's the cause mm-hmm. of their homelessness. Sometimes it's not safe to do so and sometimes there's not actually willing parties to to do that mm-hmm. um and so other times it looks like <clears throat> involving you know the ministry of child and families um getting a social worker involved stuff like that and so sometimes those things take a little bit more time and so we don't really put a time limit on on how long they can stay okay mm-hmm. speaking of government getting them involved mm-hmm. what kind of policies are there that would help uh, a youth get out of this situation like are there programs or resources or financial aid or what does that look like from a two two standpoints um yes okay so either uh federal or provincial mm. um well there is the the ministry of child and families will work with youth um who have a protection issue in the home or or need some sort of family support mm-hmm. um and that looks a little bit different depending, again, on, like, what's going on in the home. Um, their hope is always, too, if it's safe to do so, to reconcile families together. Um, but sometimes, again, it can't happen. And so it looks like removing a child, placing them in some sort of temporary care or um, permanent care. Um, there is a financial assistance through the Ministry of Social Development and Poverty Reduction, which is what people that. that's that's welfare. People will often call it welfare gotcha. or income assistance. Okay. Um, so they you can apply through um, through one of their staff. Um, kind of have to display that you have some sort of financial hardship that mm-hmm. you can't actually earn um, a livable income, um, and then you receive around typically around eleven hundred dollars a month okay which also isn't a livable income right when rent prices are at least that at least um if you have a if you're a person with disabilities then you can apply for pwd and um you get a little bit extra funding Hmm. through that Um, is it all easy to access or is there a lot of hoops to jump through it can be easy if you know who to talk to. Um, so we, like at Sire Center, we have staff who, like we have a connection with a, a staff at Ministry of Social Development and Poverty okay. Reduction. And so we can we can set that meeting up. Um, it's easy for us to, to coordinate with social workers. Um, 
as long as the youth like stays in one spot, that typically makes it easier. But Mm -hmm. depending on their lifestyle and the life they've been living, how transient it is, that can be a challenge sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, To get uh, persons with disability income assistance, that's a little bit tougher because you need doctors involved and stuff like that. So okay, yeah, yeah. So those are kind of the two main government supports there's also like our provincial housing authority which is bc housing they'll provide things like um subsidized housing um which there's there's a few different places like in chilliwack that you probably know um (coughs) there's things like rent subsidies um that you can apply for through different organizations bc housing Mm -hmm. typically supplies them and then different um nonprofits we'll hold the funds and you apply through them and then we give them out mm-hmm. um, to help with the cost of, of living. Wow. Um, yeah. That's, it sounds like there's like a, a fair amount of policies put in place to, to get people out of, out of homelessness or just to get them on their feet. Yeah. There's a lot of things to help. It's whether or not people take advantage of that. People take advantage of it. And is it enough help? Okay. And like, like I'm just, I, I was again talking to a colleague 10 minutes before you showed up and we we're talking about what po- kind of policies do most of our countries have in place and they're like none mm-hmm. like what do you mean none <laughs> they're like nope like kind of sol like in in kenya and uganda there's like there's some that um old age pension but you can hardly even get it like mm-hmm. it's not easy to access or in peru they're like yeah you, you, we will help you out there we we work with a people group called the quechua people and um they could have government assistance, but then they have to be close to a government facility, which is a three-hour rugged train walk there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I'm I'm happy to hear that um, our policies that in Canada are accessible mm-hmm. um, because we work with a lot of, like, our our people are heavily reliant on nonprofit organizations. Would you say that uh, youth are also heavily reliant. Like there's Sire Center. What else is out there? Um, UGM, I'm sure they could go to as well. Mm-hmm. But like, what's the balance between nonprofits and uh, like government policies and aid that that help them, or or do they work a lot hand in hand? Um, I think they work a lot hand in hand. Okay, and that also depends on the like on the municipality that you're in, mm-hmm. um, things look different city to city because the municipal government has has a hand in that as well mm-hmm. in, different, in different policies and different, even things when it comes down to like bylaws and stuff like that. It can okay. look a lot different. Yeah. It's interesting when you bring up like the countries that, that Hungry for Life works in and it's so different, I think, and I don't, I don't have a ton of experience internationally, but I've been to yeah, you, West Africa a few times. Yeah. And it feels so different. Like the community there, it's like your problem is my problem because you are you belong to my community. Yeah. Um, and the poverty is much more drastic there, I say. Uh, I would say as a whole, like as a country. Mm-hmm. Um Canada, we're very fortunate. We have lots of money. We have lots of resources. Um, But I think until we master that community piece of taking care of people's hearts, I think we're just like polishing the brass on the Titanic when we're like, hey, here are all these different 
um, funding sources. Here's all this. Like, mm-hmm. I think we need to do a better job of taking care of of that hard stuff that that you see mm-hmm. in developing countries so much. They're doing it so much better than us. That's such an interesting point that you brought up. Also, I like your Titanic analogy. That was mm, thank you. Um, because, again, when I was talking to my colleagues a few minutes ago, they're like, they, it's not the government and it's not even necessarily NGOs. It's community. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's so much of a mentality in most countries, other than ours, because we're very individualistic, uh, of taking care of one another and mm-hmm. sacrificing like Lori was saying that one of her she just talked to one of their their widows in one of the widow, widow care programs and she was like how are you doing this month and she was like well I did have to go beg this month for food but my neighbors took care of me they gave me a meal or whatever it is and that's that's just how it is and it's very community focused and mm-hmm. um and then another colleague of mine said I shouldn't touch that um in Haiti, she's like, I'd I'd still rather live in a poor family in Haiti than a broken family here because of the of the mm. community piece, like the heart piece. Like when when youth feel unwanted or unloved, it goes so much deeper than no no place to lay your head at mm-hmm. night. It's like absolutely like it ties into so many more systemic problems, like it can lead to substance abuse because they want to numb the pain. And then, mm-hmm. okay, well, substance abuse, then you're opening a whole new can of worms. Absolutely. Um, so I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, regardless of here or there, the community piece has to be fostered and worked on. Mm-hmm. And I don't think – I don't do a great job of it. Like, like we live so much, like, keep – your two cents on your side of the fence kind of thing mm-hmm. where I think of how much we could benefit each other if we just looked out for each other or yeah. had some grace for each other mm-hmm. and our shortcomings. But And it's too bad because that's what we, as Christians, like that's what we talk about in church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, let's love everyone like we love ourselves. And then we leave church and we're like well, I would like to visit with my mother and father only, and that is my community. And yeah. it's not, it's like not ingrained in us yeah. like it is in other countries. Because it's it's fight or flight there. It's like you, we look after each other or we die. It's, mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. So it's, and we're not forced to do that. Like you said, we've never been put in a survival mode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure lots of us have, but... Not me. Yeah. <laughs> so, like true survival mode. Like, yeah. hey, if I don't, if I don't steal this thing, yeah, I won't be able to mm-hmm. sell it and eat something today. Mm-hmm. So, like at Cyrus Center, you as staff, how do you tackle that community community piece? You you play Uno. That's that's great. Like, what are some other what are some other ways that um, you foster care, grace, community? like very practically day-to-day that people might either roll their eyes at or think like, what? Um, I think it's simple what we do. Okay. In a sense of like, we just want to be that safe place where youth can come mm-hmm. and there is no judgment. Um, and judgment and accountability are different. Um, mm-hmm. I'll clarify. Um, there's definitely accountability for actions, but there's no judgment. There's no, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to think of you differently because of this. Um, We have 
such an incredible team of people who are like different puzzle pieces in these Mm -hmm. kids' lives. So we have volunteers who are like women in their 50s who are just like these these compassionate, loving mother figures who just want to like make a grilled cheese and tomato soup for this kid who probably doesn't have that connection with their mom. Maybe doesn't even have a mom. Um, That's amazing. We have like mentors and volunteers and staff in their in their 20s these like university guys who are the perfect big brother to these kids who just long for that mentorship and that um that role model in their life and they've never seen that mm-hmm. we have just we have a uh, our morning staff who wakes the youth up every morning he's 74 he's been there for I don't know, a million years. Serious? And he is just like this loving grandpa who just wants to make breakfast and wake these kids up. And like everyone fits a different, a different need. Um, Some people love talking, giving advice. Some people love listening. Some people love just giving a hug. Some people like it's, it's incredible. Wow. And I think that youth just thrive off this, like this genuine relationship. We're not trying to we're not trying to act a certain way so that we can slip a slip a Bible into their like backpack on their way out. We are who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're interested in, in learning about why we're doing what we're doing, then we can sh- we have the freedom to share that with them, which is really special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it just like the word community is just ringing in my head right now. Like I think. Because that is like that is where global and local kind of meet. Like that that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. A human needs love. A human needs people. They need their community. Mm-hmm. And Cyrus Center is creating that community for that group of vulnerable people. And I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what is like the most immediate need of homeless homeless youth? Like I think there's always that argument of like teaching a man to fish so Mm. lots of people you know they don't for us I mean it's like don't don't give them a a meal give them a fishing rod where it's like well if they're not uh, alive to fish they can't feed themselves so we we offer food as like an immediate need Mm -hmm. and then we build in and build relationship and build community and then and then ask them where we want to take the development plan like what for Cyrus Center is like the most immediate need um, I'd say a lot of youth coming in, like their immediate needs are, are shelter, food, laundry, showers, like those, those core, like basic needs, yeah, okay. basic needs. Um, <clears throat> and you can typically see like quite a difference in someone's, um, mental health and nervous system when they go from not having those needs met to like a few mm. days of having eight hours of sleep, three meals a day, hmm. a shower. It can be quite calming for the nervous system. Yeah. Um, so those are our immediate needs. Um, affordable housing would yes, be okay. a need yeah. of ours. Like even when we have youth who um, are ready and able to live independently. Um, Good luck, Chuck. It is. Oh, man. Like what's rent these days? It's like eleven hundred 
probably like your minimum minimum right it's i mean or you could rent a 600 dollar room with no kitchen room or okay windows like it's just it's it's wild yeah okay um so that's a big need Mm -hmm. um patience and grace if we want to talk about Mm non-tangible needs um and that's like our need we need patience and grace but also like the community needs to have patience and grace with with youth Mm -hmm. um yeah because like unless we all as a community kind of pitch in and help like um the the cycle will be perpetuated Mm -hmm. and like what are some ways that the cycle can break what are some ways that kids can get out of homelessness I think connection having that connection that lasts longer than just like here's your meal Mm -hmm. you are welcome here like we work on that relational piece that that continues so we'll have youth who we've been connected with for years and years and years until they've like aged out of our Mm. um out of our services yeah um I think that's what helps people exit homelessness. Do you have, like, is there, do, do teens come back? Like, when say that when they're 30 or something and say, hey, like, thank you, or look at me now. Or, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, they'll do. Cool. We actually have a youth, a former youth um, who access services as a, as a teenager who is now employed in our Chilliwack. Oh, cool. Sort of housing. Oh, that's so great! And it was like her dream to come back and and work with us because oh, of the impact great. that she, that it had on her life, which is like that's goosebumps. That's yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really neat. Um, I feel like I jumped all over the questions that I sent. What questions did I miss here? Hmm. Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I I sent Melissa the questions ahead of time, but I think. I, w- I would like to put a bit of a call to action out there. Like, first of all, Sire Center is such an amazing organization. And if you're mm-hmm. in the Fraser Valley and if this is something that you haven't done your year-end giving yet, which it's January, but, you know, I'll put it out there anyways. SireCenter.ca? <laughs> um, yeah. Or .com. I don't know. I usually, or just, .org. I usually just type it in Google. <laughs> and it autofills it for me. Yeah. Um, also... You can cook for Sire Center, can you not? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you can sign up. We have um, some meal trains. Okay. You can just sign up for a day or you can do a recurring thing. Some people get their like community groups to do mm-hmm. the third Monday of every month. Yeah. Bring a meal. Is that helpful or is it kind of... Uh, yeah. No, that's so helpful. Yeah, okay. That's so helpful. Right. Um, sometimes just like calling the center and being like, hey, what do you need right now? Like laundry like, soap or... Yeah, yeah. We're out of milk. We're out of this. Okay. Like that's so, that has such an impact when someone's at the grocery store. They're like, I'll right. just get you what you need. That's, that's well, big yeah. I mean, like you guys are com- creating this community for a vulnerable group of people in our community. We as a community need to be a community for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I would challenge people who are listening, like if you're in Abbotsford or Chilliwack, you're at the grocery store, call Sire Center. Bring them, bring them some laundry soap, toilet paper, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like support these people who are supporting our, our vulnerable. Um, I think it's really important to do that. So 
if you want to get involved, like you're welcome to volunteer. Oh, yes. As well. What are some other opportunities? If can- you think if you think that that's something that you'd like to do, like you can talk to us about that mm-hmm. volunteering and like having kind of that hands-on approach to or that hands-on kind of impact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really. We always need volunteers and people who want to kind of like mentor and come alongside of our kids. Yeah. I think, I think one of the biggest calls to action that I would, that I would say is just, um, it's not even related to Cyrus Center so much, but it's just like have that grace and patience with, particularly if you're parents, if you are parents of youth, um, and your children like bring friends over and you're like this this youth has is questionable um don't just like tell them they can't have this friend over like get to know them hmm. um great point get to know your kids friends and where they come from and like what their home is like and if they need like you could have an opportunity to be such a mentor to to your kids friends um that would be my biggest thing. Yeah, great yeah. point. Creating that safe place for kids mm-hmm. who know they can come, no judgment, feel loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. It was it was quite interesting, like even just preparing for this podcast and talking around the office and, and talking to you, like seeing the parallels and like the commonalities between what you do and what we do. There mm-hmm. are some. Mm-hmm. Like people might not think it or see it, but it, it boils down to like basic human needs of mm-hmm. relationship and community. And I think that's what Christ calls us to do. Absolutely. I, I know that's what Christ calls us to do. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to see like um, boiled down. We're still working for the same God, the same kingdom, the same like same end goals. Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah. Hey, come back anytime. All right. <laughs> And, um, well, that's all. That's all I got for you. Okay. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to What in the World, where we seek to educate and inspire. Here at Hungry for Life, we are passionate about your group having a global impact in eradicating needless suffering. For more information, head over to our website at hungryforlife.org. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you may listen to podcasts. Tune in every other week for another conversation about what is happening at Hungry for Life.